0: the starter this year in not win against Houston last week Jamal Lewis into the clear touchdown 67 yards
1: tremendous size strength and vision here he uses his vision his cutting ability to find the backside
2: Good evening, everybody. This is Georgia Tech Vol, and this is podcast number eight of the General Quarters VolQuest Fan Podcast. I am so excited tonight, and no, it's not because I drank a bunch of Red Bull. It might be because of that. But we have the one, the only, yes, you heard it on the board, Jamal Lewis is with us tonight, and we are so excited. I cannot believe it that uh, such a Vol legend and an NFL legend. I mean, just all the the records that he has: Super Bowl champion, Pro Bowl, All Pro, Offensive Player of the Year, MVP, rushing yards leader, All Decade teams in the NFL two thousands. You know, Ravens Ring of Honor. I mean, goodness gracious, this guy! You you've got an award. He's he's won it, and he is a VFL, which is most important of all. So we're so excited tonight. Again, I am your chat host, Georgia Tech Vol. We've got the same group of uh degenerates with us so if you guys want to go around the horn and we'll get into talking with mr jamal lewis ptc you want to start it off my friend
3: yep this is ptc vol your south Side suburb expert on the gq happy to be here and extremely honored to be here with jamal lewis
2: pounding thrill what's up my friend
0: hi glad to be back really excited about uh about this podcast
2: Thank you for being on, man. And uh, the man who has been absent for a number of weeks, I think he's been uh, playing wedding crashers or doing bachelor parties or something, Power T. It's
4: great to be on the podcast today. I'm honored to be on with a ball legend, Jamal Lewis, uh, one of my childhood heroes um, and really excited to talk about some Tennessee football and and hear what this VFL has to say. Got a great, great podcast today.
2: Oh, it's I'm so, so, so excited. And actually pretty sure I have a 31 Jersey, uh, back at, or at least at my dad's old house. I don't know where you put that one, dad, but, uh, we'll have to talk about that off of, off the podcast. And then last but not least bleed orange, the man who helped get us connected to Mr. Jamal Lewis, my dad, you know, him as bleed orange 23. Dad. Hey guys.
1: Uh, happy to be here and excited to, uh, have Jamal on as well. Uh, Maybe I'll make him feel better as a, a, I appreciated watching him as a running back as a younger man. How's that sound? Instead of growing up watching him. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I know uh, how uh, Georgia Ted was was when uh, dad produced the uh, number 31 jersey for him in, uh, in the Tennessee orange. He was excited. about that. At the oh
2: so yes. Close. So thank you, Jamal for joining us. We're, we're so excited. And, um, you know, Obviously, Tennessee's been going through some ups and some downs, but uh, when you think Jamal Lewis, there's a, a sense of pride as to how you performed in, in the Big Orange, and, and uh, we're just so proud to, and excited to have you on the podcast. So we're going to go through a couple questions, some from the group here, and then also um, the VolQuest board, um, they put some questions in as well that we are going to ask you, so um, really, I just want to start this off from, there's actually an I bleed orange 86. He wrote in a question that he had for you and he wanted to know what, what, uh, recruiting was like, uh, when you were being recruited to Tennessee and also why did you choose the university of Tennessee? Because obviously you're a, a national prospect out of the state of Georgia. Um, how, how did that whole process, uh, turn out for you?
5: Hey, uh, first of all, I want to say thanks for having me on you know, the podcast, uh... It's an honor to be on with you guys. Um, but, yeah, man, the recruiting process, it was um, it was kind of long and strenuous. You know, I t- chose my top five schools, which were Michigan, Nebraska, LSU, Tennessee, and Texas. And um, I really wasn't even going to even visit Tennessee. That's the crazy part about it. My uh, high school coach, he just – he said, man, why not you go up the road and go to Tennessee and check them out? He said, at least you don't have to fly. You can drive and this, that, and the other. And uh, Peyton Manning, you know, he might be staying or whatever. So, um, you know, the whole process is a lot of letters, uh, a lot of calls from coaches and visits to your high school for them coming by to actually, you know, uh, see you and, and talk to you and, 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 and kind of just just, just put their eyes on you and watch you in practice and certain things like that. But it was a lot of days, you know, my junior year, senior year, uh, sitting in class and, you know, you, Somebody coming come into the classroom and the University of Alabama would be there. You know, USC is there. You know, they're coming by the school and everything else. So it's kind of overwhelming. Uh, but at the same time, you know, after visiting my first, you know, schools, uh, Michigan, Nebraska, and LSU, um, and then going into Tennessee, it was just something was just different. Um, you know, nice facilities. Um, the coaches uh, were just like genuine. You know, uh, Coach Gardner actually recruited me uh, from Tennessee, but after meeting him and Coach Fulmer and uh, coming in and meeting Coach Cutcliffe at the time uh, and just being around those guys, I just felt like family. Um, and I can remember being at a, a recruiting uh, deal when I was on campus and and uh, Peyton Manning was there and my dad just asked him, you know, he said, are you, gonna, are you staying or are you leaving, you know? And he said, I'm announcing tomorrow, but I'm going to stay. And my dad looked at me and he said, "You're gonna come here." And so I was like, hey, "There, there it is," you know. But, uh, but it I think it was, hey, it was a great it was a great choice, and um, you know, I'm happy I made that choice. But you know, I feel like everything I thought it was going to be, it actually was, and even more. So uh, <laughs> it, it was it was it was a good process.
2: Wow, that's and again. Ladies and gentlemen of of Volquest, and I don't know how, how much if you even read or know of Volquest, uh, Jamal, but uh, you know we again we think uh, so hot. you're a, hero's a hero to us. It's it's just incredible. Yes. So it's cool to hear these kinds of stories, and it you know for Volquest we we make a joke. We say that's nine ninety five because that's like the monthly payment to be on the board, and uh, <laughs> that's nine ninety five to hear a story like that. And it's interesting too. And wanted to just get your take really quickly. You know the recruiting nowadays versus, you know, in the kind of the later '90s, you know, there wasn't the social media where you could, you know, direct message people on Instagram and Twitter. You know, you had to do the coaches had to show up at the the schools. You had the the you know writing letters and phone calls. What you know, you see some differences or any similarities between the two as well.
5: Um, There's some some differences, but I think the biggest difference is social media and how a kid is able to actually expose itself and uh, put more footage out there of himself, um, you know, on social media versus when I was playing where or coming out, you know, the coach had to come out of school. Um, uh, You know, you had to send in, you know, your, 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 your highlight reel or game film or whatever to two colleges or two schools so they can actually see you. Um, Camps and combines weren't even that big at the time. There was a few of them out there, but that was how you was going to get noticed, you know, by going to a camp and showing out and and just and trying to stand out, you know. Um, But nowadays, you know, it's a lot of ways for these kids to actually get exposure. Um, They're going to these combines, they're going to different camps and things of that nature, so they can try to stand out and also media. You know, media now uh, writing about kids and publishing articles on kids, so. Now it's highly searched and things of that nature. So these coaches can actually get get information and data on these kids. Uh, But all in all, before a coach actually recruits a player, he has to go see him in person, talk to him, watch him in practice, talk to the coaches about him, talk to the teachers about him, just to kind of figure out what type of person the kid really is. So all in all, the coaches still have to come see the kid.
2: Very cool. Power T, I think you had uh, had a question.
4: Uh, yeah, and hey, Jamal, this is the Power T. You were talking about social media and kind of the the extra exposure that kids can get now. But, you know, everybody's always talking about the positives and the minuses of social media. And I just want to ask you, had social media been around when you were a top recruit, what would have been your feeling or impression of, of people, fans tweeting at you, interacting with you, um, and, and how do you see that playing out with the current crop of recruits today? Because obviously recruits ask for a lot of followers, but there's, there's pluses and minuses to that. And I want to get your thoughts on it.
5: Well, I, I think that it's, it's more now, um, you know, with social media, it's, you know, like you said, these kids, they want likes, they want you to share their, their, their content or their footage or whatever that they might be posting. But, A lot of times, you know, a lot of I think it is um, a good thing and a bad thing uh, because some of these kids that are 12, 13, 14 years old, 15, you know, they they use that because it's what they know and they don't know anything different. uh, Mm -hmm. But social media, so they don't know how to treat it more as it's, it's a tool, you know, it's a marketing tool really for you as an athlete so you can't get caught up in the noise and um you know trying to be cool or trying to be something that you're not or whatever through the social media light you know and i think that's the biggest issue with social media and these young athletes you know they don't know how to use it as a tool uh but when i was coming if if we had it when i was coming up i don't know i might have been the same person i don't know um But I do feel uh, I was a teenager, so who knows? You know, who knows what what how you would have used it, or whatever. If you'd have fell into some of those traps, or whatever that a lot of some of these kids are falling into, but it's it's really not the kid. It's it's pretty much if they really look at it, it, it's really like a archive of your life. You know, so if a coach want to know about you or know what type of person you really are, all he have to do is just go to your timeline and see the people that you're with what are you posting what are you into what are you doing you know so it's kind of like you know sometimes it's your business is better off kept to yourself uh, versus right. just trying to let the world know what you're what you're up to gotcha thanks yeah yeah
2: no it's all, uh, PTC man I know you had a couple uh, you wanted to throw out here to the group
3: Absolutely. Uh, Again, Javon, thanks for being on. A couple of things I wanted to ask you about. Um, Just obviously, you know, we all think that you're just one of the greatest representatives from the University of Tennessee. Um, Just what you've done for the school, what you've done in the NFL, and how much of your VFL. Um, In your UT career, what was the best memory that you had, not only on the field, but off
5: the field as well. Oh man. Ooh, a lot of those, but, um, I think <laughs> on the, on the field would be probably, um, playing against my old, my hometown, uh, playing against the university of Georgia as a freshman.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, you know, when I was pretty much overlooked by them, uh, as well. So it was, it was a, it was a good moment to go in and put up 230 something yards on them. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and leave that mark on them for a long time. Um, <clears throat> but I think off the, off the field, off the field, I don't know. I think, you know, being a roommate with Al Wilson, um, that, that's, uh, that's, that's a, a lot of off the field memories. <laughs> right there. So, uh, <laughs> but you, you know, but, but, <laughs> but he was, a, he was a leader you know, and being able to live with somebody like that and kind of follow his lead and, you know, just be around, you know, greatness like Al was, you know, it was, uh, that was probably, a, you know, my, I probably got a lot of moments, but at the same time, that was probably one of my, my off the field uh, moments that I I remember forever as being, you know, roommates with Al Wilson throughout hmm. through college.
2: Hmm
5: two UT
3: legends being roommates, that's pretty... That's that, that has to have a ton of stories that are just generational right there.
5: <laughs> exactly.
2: Go ahead, Pounding um, Thrill. Go ahead, man.
0: Yeah, Jamal, just first off, let me say uh, thanks again for joining us on this. I, one of the things uh, I can say about you is, you know, you're, you're definitely one of those guys who just, as a fan, I feel privileged to have the ability to kind of watch you. You're just... Tennessee's had a bunch of great running backs, but, um, but you really were just kind of had shoulders above them. So uh, I, I did enjoy that, and I have fond memories of it. And, and in talking about running backs, one of the things I always thought was really interesting about your recruiting class is there was a number of really good running backs that came through it. I mean, if a Tennessee fan were to list some of the best running backs of all time, there'd be three of them that came from your class alone, that being Henry, Stevens, and you. Can you tell me kind of what it was like? joining a recruiting class that was so well stocked at the position that you were um, playing?
5: Um. Well, yeah, well, first of all, you know, um, just dealing, going through the recruiting process as a whole, um, you know, Tennessee did a great job because I didn't even know that these guys were even coming to Tennessee. <laughs> so, so I didn't know about Travis Henry and Travis Stevens and these guys until until uh, we were moving in, you know, uh, that summer, uh, going up the elevator. And I was like, whoa, like this guy rushed for 4,000 yards in one season, you know, and stuff like this, you know, so it was like, wow. But, uh, but at the same time, you know, it's all about competition, you know. It's all about competition, you know, when we was in there, you know, going through practices and, and just, you know, uh, uh, preparing for games and stuff like that, we pushed each other, you know, we pushed each other. And um, all the way throughout, you know, so <clears throat> Travis Stevens didn't get a chance to play as early. Travis uh, Henry didn't get a chance to play as early either. But then when I went down uh, my sophomore year, you know, both of them stepped up. And Travis, you know, had a great season and, and rushed us to a, uh, to a championship, right? He rushed us to a sure. championship. And, um, and then, you know, after he made his mark, and, and left Travis Stevens. He, he kept it going, you know, he kept it going. He had a, a little slower start than we did, but at the same time, he finished off, you know, and had, had a great career at Tennessee and also yeah. went on and went to the NFL as well. Uh, but it was just, it was just competition, man. And, and you always want to, as a running back, you know, you always want, you know, your coaches to bring somebody in every year that can compete with you, you know. And that can push you Uh, because Mm -hmm. if they don't, if they don't, you know, how can you really get better? So uh, so I think that was one of the things that that we did and um, that that we brought to each other and competed and was and we're still all good friends.
0: That's 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 really interesting. Um, My next question is to to put you on the spot just a little bit. You played with so many all-time Tennessee greats. You know, you talk about like Al Wilson, Lynn Little, all those guys. Um, is there any player that kind of stands out to you as a great player that maybe gets overlooked by Tennessee fans?
5: Um, I think one that gets overlooked probably is, I want to say like a Cedric Wilson. Sure. You know, Cedric mm-hmm. Wilson, you know, as a wide receiver, came in as a quarterback uh, from Memphis Melrose. Um, You know, and then all of a sudden knew he knew that T. Martin was there and he was not going to get a chance to play quarterback, you know, and uh, just seeing him in practice transition from that to running routes, you know, running routes with with Peerless Price and Marcus Nash and and these guys at the time and, and and people laughing at him, you know, laughing at him because he was making a move to wide receiver, you know, and then all of a sudden he ended up being one of our better receivers while I was there. He was a great possession receiver and could catch the ball. He could run great routes and everything else and also went on to the NFL to play wide receiver. So um, I think that's one of the guys that kind of go overlooked because he was not recruited or, you know, talked highly about as being a receiver, you know, Uh, he was a quarterback. But. That would be my guy. I got right. for follow answering my questions. up to
3: that. Uh, Jamal, this is PTC Vol again. We've got a guy on our team right now that's like that, Jawan Jennings, recruited as a quarterback, and he's a receiver now. And he is easily one of the hardest uh, working receivers we've got, and he has got that what we all call that dog in him. Uh, same same situation there that you see that you, that we have with Cedric?
5: Oh yeah, def- definitely, definitely. Yeah, he was a hard worker. Um, you know, just was gonna, just was gonna get out there and get after it, and uh, just had those instincts and just had heart. You know, he had heart, and and that's what you have to have. And I think, I think that's what Jennings has as well—is that fight. You know, to go out there and m- make the play that needs to be made that needs to be made. You know, standing up and, and being a leader. And, uh, and, and, those guys are the guys that, you know, you see them doing it on the field, but at the same time, those are the guys that are getting after it in the weight room, uh, that are getting after them in meetings and things like that. And, 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 standing out, you know, because they're constantly trying to learn and just want to perfect the craft and be great.
2: Wow. That's good stuff. And everybody listening, uh, if you fast forwarded for whatever reason, um, this, the voice that you've been hearing is uh, one of the greatest running backs of all time, Mr. Jamal Lewis, all uh, for Life legend. So, uh, Jamal, thank you again for being with us. I was looking at just really quickly uh, looking at some of the highlights uh, just to get juiced and amped for this thing. And I, it's unbelievable to see you, Jamal, just literally lowering that shoulder and those safeties and cornerbacks, they must have, you know, craps their pants every time they saw you running towards them uh, I mean they, they try to wrap you up and you're just bowling over guys uh, it's just really cool to see i um, hoping we can kind of Tennessee can get back to having some backs like that with that oomph and that power behind it um, anybody else in the group had any other questions I know we kind of we're talking about recruiting a little bit and now I think maybe we can kind of talk about the current team current product that's out there
5: um,
2: if that's kind of a good segue okay bleed orange go ahead
1: yeah, uh, Jamal, one of the things, um, uh, that, uh, a lot of people don't always understand is, uh, the journey that athletes take, um, through their life. And, uh, you know, you, uh, have some very interesting stories and compelling stories about how you got to Tennessee and some of your early childhood memories of uh, even a drug dealer, uh, telling you to, to stay away from, uh, what he was involved in? Can can you tell us a little bit about that for some of these fans out here, and and uh, how you kind of uh, rose out of the ashes of the, of those early days?
5: Well, yeah, man. You know where I grew up at, you know, Southwest Atlanta, um, which which now is, is is being redeveloped, and and you know um, you know things have changed uh, a lot. But but you know, growing up in the inner city um, is is very challenging uh, as a kid, you know, um, when you're having to, you know, like, like, like I've said before, you know, just drugs are all around you, um, uh, addicts all around you, uh, prostitutes and, and just, just, just hustlers and, you know, just, it's everywhere, you know, it's all around you. So how do you stay motivated, you know, to, to, to keep pushing on and keep going on and, and want better and more for yourself, you know, when you constantly see, you know, uh, um, the world around you and you don't see anything different. Uh, But at the same time, you know, I had people um, like, you know, some of the older guys, you know, around the way that were, you know, like they saw more in me versus being, you know, a hustler or or standing on the corner selling drugs, you know, or being a peddler out here selling drugs, you know. So, you know, Mm -hmm. those are the guys that basically said, hey, look, You know, you don't touch nothing. Don't do nothing. And, you know, you need some money. You know where you can come. If you need anything, whatever, you know where you can be. And when you got people like that around you, even though, you know, they they, they are, you know, in the community and a product of why your community is what it is. But at the same time, you know, when you're on that path and you can easily be taken off that path, uh, you know, um, it's just... It's it's honestly, it's just, you know, it's just motivating to just keep going and keep going. I remember, you know, my my niece, you know, at the time I was about 15 years old and she was getting kicked out of her house, you know? And Mm -hmm. I was just like, you know, like as a 15 year old, like, you know, I don't want her to ever go through this again, you know, Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And that it it motivated me and getting letters in the mail and saying, you know, for me, it was either going to the military or, or it was you know playing football. So if I wasn't going to get a scholarship playing football, then I would have I would have most likely been in the Marines, and I would have been uh, in the military because that's when my dad was a Marine. So that's what I always wanted to be. Um, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, football worked out, and, and I wanted it to work out. And I was the I was a kid that was getting up at seven in the morning to go run laps. You know, I was a kid that was staying late in the gym. Uh, getting extra reps and and working out more, you know, Um, but at the same time, I took care of my books, you know, I was a smart kid and I had the grades, you know, I had the grades and I I, I knew, you know, as long as I can go out here and compete on the next level, um, you know, I'll be all right. you know, and, you know, that's where, you know, that's how I tell a lot of these kids in the inner city, like, you just got to stay on the right path and envision where do you want to be In the next 10 years you know because you don't have to be uh in your current situation you don't have to be uh you know it's not your fault that you're in that current situation but you need to be blessed that you have people around you and 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 keep good people around you and just try to stay focused and that's one of the biggest issues with kids these days is just trying to stay focused and i think i'm a product of staying focused staying on the right track and uh, a little bit of luck here and there
1: how <laughs> well,
2: no, yeah, much, it much <laughs> luck it is when uh, you uh you've got all that talent I mean goodness gracious so uh it sounds like there's a lot of hard work though
5: so oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah that's know, hard work.
1: this is bleed orange uh, slash David again um you know the the thing that's that's interesting is that um, you know we talked about this a little bit I think maybe before last week or something like that but I had run track in college and ran the 400 meter hurdles and, you know, like the, the crowning achievement of my running in the national championship happens while my classmates are walking the aisle and nobody knows about it. Right. Um, So there's that part of athletics when you're not, you know, playing football or basketball or one of the revenue producing sports that you sort of get overlooked a little bit, but then there's a flip flop side to all of that. Uh, There's the, uh, you know, I, I never had anybody scrutinizing, well, gosh, dang, you know, Anderson didn't look good over that hurdle, on the third hurdle today, you know. Oh. Um, there's there's a plus and minus to all of that. So what is what has it been like for you with all the fame uh, throughout your career? And then, then after the career is over, what does all that look like for you?
5: Um, you know, I had to, you know, I, I went into the NFL when I was 20 years old, right? Like I was drafted when I was 20, Um spent three years in Tennessee um, on a nice platform and this, that and the other, but, you know, being young, you know, being young, Hey, you make mistakes, you do different things, whatever. And uh, I I just think that, you know, there's things that happen that, that, you know, it's like, you know, touching the iron and and those, Hey, you know, fire is hot, you know, or whatever, you know, it's like, when you don't really know that you're really in this bubble, um, and the, and that you you're under this this magnifying glass, um, you 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 think that you're just normal, um, and there's mm-hmm. been situations you know with me, as well that 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 you know, it was it was in the spotlight that hey look you're 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 not normal, you know mm-hmm. so, um, and you have to watch what you do you have to. And, and and when I was coming, it was a little different anyway, because you didn't have you didn't have camera phones like that, Definitely. you know when I was growing up either. Uh, yeah. So now it's even the microscope is 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 even larger because you have people with camera phones everywhere. So um, you know it's more than one of those things where when I was younger, uh, you know, you did young things, you know. And um, and you had to learn from your mistakes. You know, you had to learn from your mistakes. And yeah. um, and I end up learning. You know that hey, look, you know you are in the spotlight. You know, uh, people are watching you, and, and just not acting a certain way because that is. But you're a role model. You know, some kid is looking up to you, um, and, and and watching your every move. So you know you got to when when you make a move or a thought or decision to do something you know, who can it affect, you know, it might, it might affect you personally, but it, it's going to affect your family, your friends, and these, these young kids that are looking up to you as well. So you have to think about that. Um, but I think a lot of my mistakes earlier on and those young mistakes, you know, basically carried on as when I retired, when I was 30 years old and I learned from a lot of that stuff and, you know, made different decisions. And, I'm wiser now and and smarter now and and make good decisions, especially especially on business and because that's what drives me now it is business. That's what I love to do. Um, this is that's my sport now. You know, it's business. It's it's trying to win. You know, and that's trying to sell, 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 sell. So <laughs> a sell to me is like a touchdown. So um, uh, you know now, you know I'm 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 not on TV and things of that nature. So. People do still recognize me and things of that nature, but uh, you still have to carry yourself in a certain manner because you never know who's watching and who's looking. So that's it. Well,
1: you've you've wow. gone through some of the. Are you are you? Uh, I mean, with all those carries in the NFL, um, you're suffering uh, from a little bit of an effect from that. Can you tell us what that looks like for you?
5: Well, well, you know. Um, Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, took a lot of hits. Uh, took a lot of hits, gave a lot
1: you of hits. You too, so, brother.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave I gave, gave him two, and that was what I wanted to do more of was give it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, I, I ended my career on concussions. You know, I got hit in, um, I think, I, the last five games of the 2009 season. You know, I was on injury reserve because I, I took a bad hit or whatever but that was it you know and a lot of things that I was going through at the time for about 10 weeks straight you know earlier on and while still playing was you know concussion you know symptoms and because I was suffering Mm -hmm. from from post-concussive syndrome uh Mm -hmm. but at the same time like now I think a lot of those effects are you know depression um you know sometimes you know mood um you know sensitive sensitivity to light you know, my eyes and certain things like that. Uh, but it's all about knowing, you know, it's all about knowing um, mm-hmm. because depression, you know, it is an issue, you know, and it is an issue in in men, you know, so uh, because men are very masculine and supposed to be a certain person. Um, so it's hard for men to actually uh, talk to people about their problems and what they're going through and things of that nature. But, What I've learned, you know, with dealing with what I deal with every day uh, from a depression standpoint is, you know, you have to talk to people. You have to have people around you, your friends, your wife, your significant other, or your kids, or whoever, your family, your support system that you can go and talk to and let them know how you're feeling or uh, let them know what's going on with you. Uh, If you can let that out, it makes you feel just that much better you know, versus just holding it in. So, um, that's one of the things that not just me, but a lot of athletes that I've talked to since I opened up about, you know, depression and the things that I deal with on a daily basis. That's what I, I get from a lot of guys that are my colleagues, um, that are former, you know, NFL, uh, players, you know, that took a lot of hits, but it's all about knowing that, you know, you're not alone, um, and, you know, you just need to talk to somebody. And that's one of the main things that I deal with on a daily basis is depression. So
1: you may not get a 100000 but if we can close this one deal we're working on, I'll come down there and applaud you. How does that sound?
5: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> hey, a win is a win. That's it. I <laughs> that's, right, win. that's true. Man. What was the only run <laughs> through that to you the first time? Oh, wow. That was... um running through the teeth for the first time i didn't know what it was about i didn't know the history i didn't know anything and i just know i am about to get ready to go out and play against uh, a team i'm going to be on the same field with Peyton manning Leonard little and all these guys
1: mm-hmm.
5: and it, it's one of those you know i was overwhelmed you know we had pre we had pre-game pre-g- pre-game meal and they had spaghetti and potatoes and steaks and pizza and all this stuff and and I ate like a pig so (laughs) I knew I was I had a thought that I was not going to play at all so I ate good and I just know I was um you know going over to the stadium and and all of this stuff going on and then they formed this the band formed the T and then we just ran through it and the crowd goes wild and I was like wow this is this is amazing, right? I'm like, this is amazing. Um, and you got 106,000 people out there. And it's a sea of orange. You know, it was just uh, overwhelming, man. And uh, I, I just remember sitting on the bench my first game and, and Coach said, Jamal, you are in? And I was like, what? I'm over here stuffed. And now I got to go out here and actually run the ball. <laughs> like, like, it's showtime. Okay, all right, here we go. So... Um, but it was a uh, it was an experience, and I must say, uh, even today when I go to some games and you know and run through the tee or see them actually come through, it still just gives you chills every time. Yeah.
3: Awesome! I tell you, it gives me chills. Yeah, this funny. is BTC ball. I've never run through the
4: tee, but every time I see it, it gives me chills.
5: Oh yeah! Oh, it's, it's a good it's a good thing.
4: Oh yeah! And Jamal, this is the power tee. Want to jump in here? I want to first? You know, I know you were saying that the, you know the cameras aren't on you anymore, and you know the lights aren't on you anymore. But you know, you're still a role model to many in Vol Nation, and you speaking up about what you're dealing with is it's it's courageous, and it gives a lot of people hope and the confidence to do it themselves. So I just want to start out by saying that. Um, but just transitioning to the um, to this current team, I want to get your thoughts on. Um, you know, we talk about the talent gap that, that Tennessee football has gone through on this podcast quite a bit. Uh, from your years and the years after that to now, um, after the Derek Dooley and Bush Jones years, and we wanted to ask you if if you see any pieces on this current team that kind of give you glimpses of the level of talent that you played with, or that the, that the teams had that you played on, um, and if so, what players on this current roster impress you?
5: Um. God, no, that's put me on the spot. <laughs> um, I I, man, I don't I don't know. I, I you know like Jordan, um, you know the running back uh, uh, Jennings that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just I don't. Nobody just stands out. You know what I'm saying. Nobody just stands out. And mm-hmm. I think honestly with, with good coaching that I know Pruitt is bringing and I've seen him coach. Mm-hmm he'll get that out of some of those players, some of them. He's not going to get it out of all of them, but he'll get it out of some of of them. But the biggest thing, the gap is, you know, the talent that Butch brought in when he was here, you know? And it's not SEC style caliber players, you know? You know, we're used to having, you know, no less than a three star. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you had yeah, yeah. You had four or five star guys that was coming in just and it was recycling over and over and over again. And now it's just like when you watch the games, it's just we lack we lack speed, you know. We lack mm-hmm. speed, we lack power, um, we lack that strength and that dominance, you know, on the, the front line, uh, on the back end, on, on defense, you know, the wide receiver core. You know, you just there there is nobody that you can just say, hey, I know that this kid right here, he's going to go and win his one on one battle 95 percent of the time. You know, and and when you can get a team where now you can say you got 11 guys out there on the field and they're going to win their battle 95 percent of the time, then you got a championship caliber team. And, mm-hmm. and, and those are the type of players that you have to go out and get and they need to be able to be dominant, you know, and um, that's that's pretty much it. But like on the current roster, I just don't, you know, Jordan, he looked good, you know, running the ball. Um, the, the kid uh, from Memphis, uh, the running back, uh, what is his name? Bob? Banks.
2: Banks. Banks. Yeah, Banks. Banks.
5: I like I like Banks. I like Banks as well. Um, and even. Banks. uh the, even the, uh, the 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 quarterback that came from Stanford, I forgot his name. Um, Keller Christ. Yes, yes. Christ. You know he, I liked him. You know, even in practice, watching him, I liked him. You know, I liked how he, you know, just did his deli- his delivery, and everything. You know, but at the same time, it's still, you know, it's just like when I watch running backs nowadays in the NFL. I'm like, you know, some of these guys are just the same old guy. There's nobody like just dominant, you know, like Gurley is dominant. But those kind of backs, those kind of guys don't come around that often, you know. And I think that that's what we got to get back to. I think Pruitt will, will bring that and and what he knows in the scheme that he runs, which is, hey, look, we're going to play some power football. We're going to run the ball and we're going to throw the ball and not make mistakes. And we're going to play good defense and get the ball back for our, our offense, you know.
4: Gotcha. And that, that's a great segue into my next follow-up question that I have for you is, is we see the talent gap. We see where this team has to get to. Um, you know, recruiting is a life of a program, but I also wanted to ask you, what other necessary steps do you feel um, this coaching staff, this team needs to take in order to, you know, beat Vandy next week, and, but, and then get us on track and get this train moving. Uh, and then what are your thoughts generally of the coaching staff uh, and this current team and the status of the program as a whole?
5: Um, I think, you know, as your first question, I just think that we just need to uh, go out and, and just, just play, you know, just play lights out and, uh, and, and minimize the mistakes, you know, that's it. Minimize mistakes and, you know, going into Vandy, Hey, find out who, find out who, who, who wants to fight? You know, find out who wants to go, you know. Um, that's that's what you really have to do. You got to find out who really wants to play, you know, football. You know, um, I think there's not too much they can do now going into this game. Um, but at the same time, just minimize the mistakes and and just go out there and get it done. But going forward, I just think it's recruiting. Recruiting, 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 recruiting. That's just what we have to do over the next couple years is go out there and land some guys that want to play football because if you're a top player in the country and you want to play, you want to play as a freshman, like I wanted to play as a freshman, like Tennessee is the place you need to go if you're a top recruit in the country. You just, it's just, it just makes sense if you want to play but if you want to wait two years, okay, go to Alabama. You know, if you want to wait two years, go to Clemson. But at the same time, if you if you're a baller and you know you can ball, you, this this is where you need to be. Um, but the current coaching staff, I think that they're 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 they um, pieces there that are great. Um, Pruitt, he's a great leader, and I think he bought in a great group of coaches. Um, but at the same time. Uh, i just think you know those guys have to be able to go out and recruit i think they're good across the board i i don't you know i think he put together a great group um but at the same time it's just having somebody that can go out and and, and like you said recruit georgia
1: <laughs> well, one thing if i may interject real if i may interject real quickly here too you talking about the fight right uh where do these kids learn the fight i mean you learned your fight on a field with broken glass on it, if, if I recall correctly,
5: right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And, and honestly, that's a that's now that's a whole different story because it, it, you know if you're playing football anyway, it's um, you have to be physical, and you know to go through two days. And to get to that point where you're in, in in a major university and you're in a major university, like University of Tennessee, like you've already you, you You've gotten through a whole lot. So now you're here and that's where the difference is made between the good and the great ones, right? You go from high school to college, okay, you might be a great high school player. But can you adjust to college? Can you adjust to the speed of the game? Can you can you make those adjustments? Can you adjust to being having to study, you know, uh, the playbook and having to watch film and this and the other and still handle your schoolwork and things of that nature? Can you handle that? Um, and, and a lot of guys they can't because they haven't been really, you know, they've been pushed. But they don't. They, they they lack structure. They lack organization. They lack self-discipline. You know, and but but I just I just think that you know it, it all comes with when you recruiting recruiting. You need to go in and find those guys. Go in and find those guys that got the fight, and that 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 basically are doing things. You know that they, they're not. You know everything's not handed to them. You know, you can find that guy. He, they're out there. Right. They're out there, but but it's just it's just being able to go in and and and, and that's where recruiting takes place. You know, it, you know it's I don't know, but I don't know. It, it's, some, it's some guys out there, uh, but they gotta find it. You know, it's you know that's yep. that's it. Yep.
4: So piggybacking off that Jamal, and this is. Uh, the power tea. And Just one last question from me. Uh, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of of a UT football coach who's recruiting running backs for this current this current team. You're in charge of it. What type of guy are you trying to bring in? What are you looking for in a running back? Uh, what would pass the Jamal Lewis uh, skills
5: test? Um, with me, I just want a not a big back, but I, I just want I just want a guy that can line up. And that's gonna get downhill, and that's that's putting his foot in the ground and making one one cut and go, one cut and go. You know that's the guy that I want. I want a, a running back that's gonna keep his shoulders square to the line of scrimmage. He's gonna run behind his pads, and he's gonna give you one cut and go. Right? That is that that is that is it. I don't need a guy that's that's gonna make a bunch of cuts um, and that's running sideline to sideline and and doing all of that i don't i don't want that i want somebody that's just that's, that's going to be able to you know to to get downhill and, and 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 run between the tackles that's 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 what i that's what i want if, if i'm recruiting um, running back
1: all right jamal you got a couple of boys which one of those plants that foot and makes that cut
5: <laughs> my whole <laughs> oh, mind Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine, mine are younger, so they, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying to get them to put that foot in the ground and get down here, but they, they, they just don't get it. But they will get it after I keep drilling them; they'll get it.
1: <laughs> I know you that's are encouraging awesome. them in that regard.
5: Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's my thing. And I work, with, and I work with running backs in the off season too, um, and guys that are going to the combine um, that are coming out of school, um, or whatever, and trying to go to the draft. Um, you know, I work with some of these guys and that's the one thing that I teach is, you know, putting your foot in the ground and getting downhill and going. Um, Mm -hmm. and and you'd be surprised at how a lot of these guys, they they haven't even been taught this stuff. They haven't been taught how to really run the football, you know, Mm -hmm. um, It's like, you know, somebody just told them, hey, just take the ball and just go, you know, and and you can't do that. You know, it's an art to this, um, but, you know, it's, you know, they gotta be taught it, so.
2: Very cool, very cool. Well, Jamal, again, uh, this is Georgia Tech Ball. Um, We are just thrilled and honored that you took uh, your evening to spend some time with us. And uh, we thank you so much for answering all these questions. I mean we had some laughs and and heard some insider information on your time at Tennessee and and a little bit on your, your time in the NFL and beyond. And, um, do you want to do any, any plugs for what you're doing right now? Or you said some of the the side stuff you're doing doing with uh, NFL prospects. prospects, you want to speak to that before we let you go?
5: Um, well, yeah, well, I'm, well, I can, um, uh, I guess I just, uh, you know, I work with some guys, you know, whatever, in the off season with XPE Sports, which is my trainer. that used to train me. Um, but at the same time, right now, I got a platform called Showcase Sports uh, that I'm launching uh, December 1st. Uh, that's all about, you know, putting these high school kids through skill-based challenges um, uh, so that, you know, they can get noticed and recognized uh, by college coaches and, and, and scouts. Um, and, and, you know, we're putting together these challenges uh, for them um, just so, you know, it, it shows these coaches, you know, and it's challenging them to do things the right way and to run the ball, catch the ball, throw the ball, uh, block or tackle, whatever, the right way. And uh, and, and just you're really training them um, through doing challenges.
2: Very cool. And whatever we can do to help spread, that word,
1: to help spread well, that word, we so. definitely will. So. Also, what uh,
5: Jamal talked a little bit about uh, the exhibits company. Oh yeah, well, Southeast Exhibits, yeah, Southeast Exhibits is my company, um, and we specialize in trade show uh, exhibits and um, anything from promotional items and things of that nature. So we we build, and we design trade show booths. Uh, you know, we set them up, we break them down. Uh, we do shows pretty much all over the country. Uh, we're like a third party. Our group that comes in and, and builds companies' booths, you know, just trying to display their product and sell their product and showcase what they're doing. Uh, we help them, you know, with that experience and to put that experience together. Uh, we also do signage as well. You know, I did uh, signage at I did about 80% of Mercedes-Benz Stadium here in Atlanta, uh, home of the Super Bowl uh, this year, and also SunTrust Ballpark as well. So overhead signage, digital signage. Anything, you know, in that in that arena, uh, we, we do. But um yep, Southeast Exhibits and events.
2: Wow, and not not cool. only is he like a good running a back, back, but uh, uh he's a heck, a heck of a salesman it sounds like. <laughs>
5: like. <laughs> oh yeah, I try. I try,
1: I try.
2: <laughs>
5: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Well wonderful. Wow. Well again, we appreciate you so Thank much you so for much being, being on, on and, and um you know, you know, like I said, said you know, if uh, you want to do a hibachi dinner one night or a chipotle, it's on me. So thank you so much, Jamal Lewis, true Vol for a life legend. And anytime you want to be on here, we'd love to have you. Seriously, it's just it's been such an amazing night to have you on with us.
5: Hey, absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys having me on, and, and good luck with everything you guys are doing. And I will try to get you some more Vols on here.
2: Oh my goodness, we we would so appreciate that. Would
5: that. Be so so, uh, <laughs> All right. Sir.
2: You have a good have evening, a Jamal. Thank you. Okay.
5: Thank you. you guys do the same. Jamal,
2: take care. Thank you, Jamal. All right, then. Thank you. Bye-bye. All righty, everybody. So, uh, Mr. Jamal Lewis um, is leaving us now, and that was – I'm still kind of coming down off
4: of the high of that. Um, dreams, do dreams, dreams do come true. Dreams <laughs> do come true. They do. Uh, they do. That I'm was, you, you don't know how many times I ran through the uh, – ran through the whole pretending to be Jamal Lewis when I was like – well, I guess it would have been like 10, 10 yeah. 11 um,
3: and a big shout out to bleed orange for setting that up.
4: Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you uh, so you
1: much. Know, I appreciate that. You know, Jamal's one. who I mean, I, I'm telling and you, we are still
2: recording by the way. So everybody uh, still gets to listen to us. So just letting you guys uh, know.
1: I understand. He, that's why I want to give Jamal all the credit in the world. When I mentioned it to him, he didn't hesitate for a second. He was wow. all in and, and excited about, you know, doing this for the Tennessee fans and and uh, really appreciate his effort tonight being in. And some of these things that I mentioned, the questions that I asked, some of that came out of conversations that we've had and some other stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was awesome having him on. And, and uh, we look forward to having more of his friends. I
2: know that was that that was cool to hear that as well, and again, I just um I've been nervous for job interviews and things like that I don't want to say nervous I was so amped for this um this again kind of you know we're not experts at this thing right we're just Tennessee fans, and we had one of yep. the the biggest legends, one of the top running backs in the history of the University of Tennessee on it's it just is so cool um to have the opportunity to talk with him and i wish we could have even had more time to hear more stories right of you know insider stories but you know i thought it was funny too when he and his dad were hearing about you know they already knew the Peyton decision before he went out on you know television and everything i thought that was kind of cool and they're like you're coming to tennessee uh so that was that was pretty fun um, and then also the story about how he ate all that food before the first game and ran out and, and, yeah. and you know, got put into the game. I wouldn't be able to move. Oh my gosh, that is so
1: funny. I so, mean, I
0: personally like how how the staff like kept it from him that there were a bunch right. of other running backs committed to the class. <laughs> right, right, right. You no, could not do that today. I mean, you couldn't do it yesterday either. I mean, right. that's that's just funny.
2: Right, right. No, that's crazy. And good questions, guys. Seriously, and thanks for the board. I know you guys had some off-the-wall questions. I tried to, you know, I'll put some shout-outs in there. I'll tag some of the guys. We tried to take as many questions as we could and and fit them in, so I didn't necessarily call out everybody, but I will make sure to have call-outs on on the page on, you know, people who, you know, put forth some questions. So thank you for your questions. We're going to try to make kind of a mailbag segment every week um, just to have everybody's input as much as possible. Do we want just, you know... We're we're kind of coming towards the end of the podcast here. Um, obviously, a tough loss against um, against Missouri. They beat us fairly badly. Um, just going through the group really quickly. Let's not break it down or anything. Do you think we beat Vandy and go to a bowl? Yes or no? Just let's just go around the horn. PTC. Yes, Vol, this is yes.
0: pounding thrill. I say yes. Okay. Pounding
3: thrill. Yes.
1: That. PTC Vol yes. Says yes. Later on, I'm saying that they've been magnificently consistent with their inconsistency, and so after a bad game this week, they should have a good one next week. Yes.
4: We got three yeses. Well, this is the power T, and we are going to beat Vandy because we have to. I think the staff <laughs> absolutely <laughs> understands the importance of this game, both in future momentum and in current bowl prospects. Right. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, Pruitt's had this game circled all year knowing that the threshold for being the coach at the University of Tennessee is always beat Vandy so I think Mm -hmm. the the coaching staff is going to be very prepared and I think that the the team they are very up and down as Bleed Orange was saying and this is our the other week so um, they should be playing on all cylinders.
2: (laughs) Really quickly just a side note do you guys remember when they did that little campaign where they released their new jerseys and they had the guys coming out of the water and everything like that. Well, I'm like, Take her down, Yeah. <laughs> and the, all the memes that were coming out of the guys, you know, jumping out of the water and I, hopefully somebody <laughs> makes a thread on that. That's, that's a, that or bleed orange. You and I were laughing hysterically when that came out. I mean, I remember just crying over it. Um, so I don't know if you guys saw that or not, but I'll, I'll, I'll post a thread about it. But, uh, you know, I, this is going to be Vandy's Super Bowl, obviously, beating Tennessee. They've won two in a row, I guess, against us, unfortunately. And for whatever reason, they've had our number. So I said we're going to be 5-7. and seven. That was my prediction in one of the earlier podcasts. I hope it actually doesn't come to fruition that I'm wrong. I, I hope that Vandy plays terribly and we can get to Shermer and, and he doesn't look like, you know, Locke against us. Um, right. So... I'll go with the group and I'll say win. We go to six and six and six, and we go play in Shreveport, so um, or wherever they're going to put us.
4: It, we're going to be in, we're going to be at the Liberty Bowl. Okay, we're, Liberty where it's going to be in Memphis. Okay. And I mean, not to go too much into you know this upcoming game. I don't know if yep. we want to do that or not, but um, you know this this really is a better matchup for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you think about this matchup, you think about this is. A South Carolina-style team with less talent that runs it a little bit different than South Carolina runs it, runs it better than they do, but it's still going to have the elements of if we take away the run and you make Shermer beat you throwing the ball, I mean, I I think that the the talent level at wide receiver plays well to us being able to cover them pretty deep in zones, pretty deep in man, and, and, and also get pressure. It's just a matter of this team offensively finding a pulse and 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 finding a rhythm and i don't know if that's going off script for helton i don't know what he needs to do there um i don't know if we're going to go into that on this podcast so i'll leave it at that but you know my focus is on the offensive side of the ball uh this week
2: well if you want i will come on wednesday and we can do a a mid-week mini if i were helton and you can go through x's and o's of what we need to do to win i'm all for it i'm always sitting here by the microphone so you let me know but uh I'm trying to keep us under the 58 minute mark as we discussed. So I'm doing my best. Someone, I'm doing someone my best. made that suggestion and it's it is breaking all the rules. Um, um, yeah. No. So it's, again, I think tonight was completely focused on Mr. Jamal Lewis. Anybody have anything else, we, you know, Jamal Lewis wise or Vandy wise or anything like that before we before we roll if, out. Here. If
0: I could just say this, Go I ahead, guess brother. as
2: far as just looking forward to Vandy and yep. it's with
0: an eye back towards Missouri, you know, I really hope Garantano is healthy uh-huh. for that upcoming game. Cause I mean, for all the people out there like fuel man or whatever at fuel man <laughs> who kept saying, how do we know Keller Christ is not the next Peyton Manning? Because we haven't seen him step in the game. He, you know, he came in, uh, you know, I appreciate all of his effort and I right. think he's a, he's a good backup. But I, I think that and we'd probably still lose even if Garantano's in the game. But to me, his value was really highlighted in that last game, and I hope that he's healthy going into, uh, into Saturday.
2: Yeah, I think Chris really reminded me of, like, a Matt Sims. Um, you know, made some okay throws, True. but then really – maybe I'm completely off on it, but that's what he kind of reminded me of a little bit. Made some throws. You're like, okay, that, that was good. And then you've got the noodle arm throws where he gets, you know, intercepted and they – it just completely changed the game. So, um,
1: you know, our, our texting, the, what's up? Were were those just on? Were those noodle arms closed or was that miscommunication? I mean, power T, buddy, you probably have some thoughts on that. But to me, that some of that looked like, particularly that one before the half, looked like. I mean, he's a better thrower than that. It looked like there's total commit miscommunication between the QB and the wide receiver. Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah, there was, and, and if I may quickly on that play, um, you know, and this is – I'm an armchair wannabe offensive coordinator that plays a lot of Madden, so everybody knows that. <laughs> um, and that's where I get all my stuff. But anyways, I mean, looking at that play, I mean, you could definitely tell that that is a chemistry problem between Callaway and between Chris. Yep. Callaway, if you if you watch the, the route stem on that route, Callaway had position uh, on top of the outside shoulder toward the sideline I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I think if Guarantano's throwing that ball, he's throwing that ball in a rainbow and hoping Callaway runs underneath it. Or at right. least throwing it up so that if Callaway high points it, he's high pointed and not at, back at the 15 or wherever he threw it at. But, yep. you know, 10, 15 yards down the field. I mean, it was a complete miscommunication. It looked almost like he threw a comeback route even, right. versus even like a back shoulder. Um, exactly. but I mean, even, I'll say, I'll go out on the limb and say this. I want JG back just as much as anybody. Um you guys know I'm a huge fan of his but I yep. do think this team can beat Vanderbilt with Keller Christ. I think though that a lot of people on the board who are clamoring for Keller Christ because you know the I don't know anything is better than what I have. The grass is greener on the other side. Whatever they want to say what we saw from Keller Chris was a lot of good tendencies that he has, but a lot of bad tendencies that he has. The same thing that allows him to get the ball out of his hand quickly in the face of a blitz and and maybe complete it when, you know, the play call is not that great works against him whenever the defense sets itself up to play that particular decision that Chris is going to make. He can't just, you know, get the snap and throw it up and try to rainbow it over to Juwan Jennings every single time. Um, they started playing that, and that hurt us. So, I mean, we'll see. I have confidence in this, in this, uh, in this team, and I, I think we prevail. But Helton, will have to bring it, and we'll talk about that on the mini
1: pod. Well, you know, one, I like one question I have you for you on that, though, is all right. So, what we saw at the beginning of that game in the first quarter was disaster, right? And for some reason, every single time it seems that somebody does a back. You know, blindside corner blitz, we don't pick it up. And he just, right. and JG just gets crushed. And everybody's doing that. I mean, game after game after game, it's the same storyline about that corner blitz.
3: It's the same blitz that keeps getting him killed.
1: Right. So, so Chris comes in and that stuff starts to. You know, the, the dynamic changed tremendously when Chris came in. and Because the O-line
2: is blocking when, Chris, and they don't block for Garantano, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we don't,
1: none of us believes that, really. So, you know, what changed that dynamic, in your opinion, Power T? I mean, is Chris calling a line? You know, is he setting the line better? Um, yeah. and, and protection's better, or, or what's – because it didn't look to me like he was playing, like, different plays. They even having to run something.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, on that first – on the first three series, we gained negative 17 yards. Um right. And on that play in particular, when J.G. got smacked from the backside, you know, the, the great debate is how much of this is on the line, how much of this is on the backs, how much of this is on the play calling, how much of this is on J.G. I mean right. – I think on this particular play, I think that Tyson Helton and JG need to be comfortable enough with JG just having more control over the offense. I just feel like sometimes when he goes to the line, he's too rigid. Yeah, he'll identify the mic. And, yes, he may, you know, call out who he thinks a blitzer is going to be occasionally, but I don't see him shifting his backs to one or the other side or calling off a play action. If I remember that play correctly, we had a fake handoff in like a, a just a mini half fake, just to kind of hold the safeties quickly on their on their you know flat footed, and then we were gonna throw, but we had um, Chandler on the right side taking that fake instead of being on mm-hmm. the left. And this is a situation where I'm wondering whether or not it's a it's a play action play that got called in. So Helton's communicated to JG we want a fake, but then JG gets to the line and he's just so hell bent on running that play action that he doesn't even think okay well let me get out of this play-action play, put my back to the left, that way I'll have the protection, but we'll still run the same route. I don't know. Right. I mean, I'm, right. not, I'm not in the – huddle. I, I, can't, I can't tell. I do know that had JG called off the the, the play-action there and instead shifted Chandler to the left, Chandler is going to be able to get over there and be able to take the blitzer first Blitzer A-gap out, right, instead right. of having to try to fight across JG. I don't know. I mean, it, we definitely did see a spark. When Killer Chris came in, and a big question that I just have after watching this game is when Helton gets off his script, is he better? Is it mm-hmm. a situation where – is he using a script in the first two, three, first 12, 15 plays of a game? Is mm-hmm. it a situation where, you know, uh, Pruitt and Friend and Ozavet and Lily – are communicating more after the game starts going south a little bit because around the fourth series, the play calling got much more balanced and it was much better executed. And, yes, Keller Chris made a couple nice throws, but at the same time, I mean, we cannot – and I'll I'll wrap this up quick because I know I'm drowning on now – but we cannot come to the line in the first two or three series of the game with this offensive line and expect – Jared Guarantano on his first few dropbacks to do it with play action, turn his back to the line of scrimmage, and having the play take four seconds to develop. That's just, it doesn't make any sense with this line. You're going to get that kid killed. So, I don't know who, I don't know, but to answer your question, I don't know. Um, but hmm. whatever Chris does good, they need to have him be talking to JG and say, hey man, do what he does this and then just use the rest of your talent to be better than the rest of Chris can do. Right. Good,
1: good uh, Now. Telling us that you're not sure.
2: (laughs) I like it. I I I say we go on for a couple more minutes since we're
1: all here. Well, I think, I think what our T is saying is great. And it's, there's really a lot of unknowns right now. uh, When we look at these two quarterbacks and everybody wants JG, especially with, with the incredible beating he's taken, we would love for him to be the starting quarterback and to, uh, be the star and, and lead this team for more than just this year. Um, but, you know, it was odd. You know, both times, the last couple of times Chris has come in, he seems to have sparked the team. And uh, they've had some good results. And he, he did lead them to 17 points when we were just drowning before he came in. Um, but then that leveled off too. So, um, you know, that's one of the things I want to see out of him is, you know, can he maintain that throughout a game? Well, and that's not, not to suggest that he starts over J.G. if J.G. is Helton.
2: Well, I got a question. I mean, and maybe we'll go over this in the uh, why Helton, why. I mean, if I were Helton uh, podcast, uh, mini podcast. But there's actually a thread really quickly I wanted to ask the group or maybe Power T, you specifically. Um, there is a thread by Vol in, L, Vol in L.A. And he says, Please explain why there is hardly any screen passes used. He said 99.9% of all co- uh, offenses, college or pro, use the screen when the pass rush is getting to the QB. In fact, many teams practically encourage the pass, pass rush to get the ball to the running backs that can run in space. One, I don't know where he got this fact. I've been looking for that fact, that percentage, 999 um, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, two... Should we use the screen pass more to, you know, get these guys set up kind of like what we did against South Carolina, or does Vandy yeah, even have that with mean a of a
3: screen against Auburn?
2: Yeah, does Vandy even have that mean of a pass rush where we're, you know, I don't know. That's my question to the group.
4: I mean, yeah. I'll well, jump this offense. Here for, or go ahead, pounding well, throw. Let
0: me go ahead and say it then, because power to you. You're much better, but I, I'll just. This is my layman's opinion. I, this offense is very. Um, there's just not a whole lot of variation in the plays they call. I mean, it really seems like, and I know we do better than this, but it seems like we go into the games a lot of times with about five different plays. You know, it's just basically a series of runs and then some passes, and and you just like there's something like a screen pass. It it's almost like it just never even enters their thought process. So, um, I don't know. I don't do penalties thought on that, but
4: I think that we need to use many more screens. And I also think we need to use draws in delayed action, um, especially given that defensive lines against us penetrate upfield on the outside trying to beat our tackles around the edge so much. And, yeah, in and succeeding. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, a, and a delayed action draw can really help um, yep. in, in those circumstances. That pass rush. I, you know, I think I think Helton... Has gotten a little, you know, dare I say, shell shocked on some of the running back screens. Um, we saw what happened against Florida. Um, a few couple, uh, you know, I don't remember all the screens we ran off the top of my head. There haven't been that many in terms of the running backs, but um, a lot of times it seems like we're not good actors in setting up the screen, whether it's the tackles and the guards holding onto their blocks long enough before releasing or the running backs popping up. I know that. I think it was Tim Jordan on in Florida just did not sell that he was going to be blocking on that one uh, screen pass that got picked off by Florida, the defensive lineman. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 what I do know is it seems to me that Helton just forgets the lessons that he learns from games when he moves to the next game. And I think that's just coming from a, OK, this is a different defense. This is a different personnel. We can attack these pressure points differently. And so my, my game plan's different. But at the same time, in my opinion, what's more important for this offense is to do what we do well, well. And that's a lot of zone running screen the schemes. That's a lot of three-step straight shotgun dropbacks, um, And even the five-step drops that we have, we need to keep JG facing the line of scrimmage. He's going to be able to see the pressure much better and get it out of his hands much faster. Um, that's a long-winded answer to say, yes, more screens. I think the wide receiver screens to Jennings, and I would even um, hazard incorporating Jordan Murphy in that. Uh, I think that would be, do well. Um, I think if you're going to use Carlin Phillips Phil's and me this week, um, I think you should have at least two or three different looks off of his reverse action, um, given that his, mm-hmm. his uh, module is rather small right now. But yeah. if you do that, then I don't think you're going to have the entire Missouri defense running over to him trying to tackle him as soon as he goes into motion. And if they do, then we throw it down the backside of him. So, that's what I got.
1: Well, I think one of the things too, is we're kind of looking at the rear view mirror at the offense, but neither Chris nor JG played defense in this game. And uh, that was a, obviously a significant issue um, yesterday. And, and good gracious, you know, you, we're losing a lot of those guys for next year it scares me to death thinking about what we got coming up next. Well, that's that's for a couple
2: of weeks now, Dad, once we get to the off-season podcast. But, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> and, I, you know, obviously Vandy's not world beaters on, on offense, and hopefully we don't make them out to something that they're not. But I felt like in the Missouri game we were bending but not breaking, right? Don't give up the big play. Don't give up the big play. Don't give up the big play. At you know, one point it's 19-10. to 10. And then Chris those at INT, and then the game's out of reach. So, you know, I think that Peru's going to scheme up enough for us to win. Now, you know, well, who was the guy Flowers? I guess that was that was hurt. Yeah, he was supposed to come back. You know, that was odd that Jesse said earlier or this afternoon that you know after watching again that he didn't play a single snap. Um, I thought they, I thought they picked on Alante Taylor uh, for whatever reason. Locked. You know, picked on him a good bit, um, and uh, that I thought that was interesting. So I hope he has a kind of a bounce back game uh, this week. So, but that one throw that Locke had, I mean, goodness gracious! When he threw it like right next to Alante's helmet, when he threw his was unfreaking believable. I mean, he was playing out of his mind.
4: So, yeah, I mean, um, and the best offense should beat the best defense, right? You know, I mean, and and just to follow up quickly, and then I'll you know shut up. Um, but no, you know, don't think, shut up, <laughs> but I think, you know, we, you know, Bleed orange, you were talking about, um, you know, the fact that you know, Jarrett nor Chris play defense, but I will say, I feel like this team psychologically, they need complimentary football to happen positively all around them to keep playing well. Right. And right. And by that, I mean, the offense like just left the defense just on the line, just so many times, those first three. Yeah drives just were just bone crushers to the defense defense holds them to three defense holds them to three defense forces a punt and then you know <laughs> the offense just keeps struggling and struggling and struggling and then you know you get the spark with Chris and that helps but this offense has got to help out the defense and 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 I, it's my belief that if Tennessee can come out on offensively score early against Vanderbilt and its defense get a couple of stops then that steamboat or the, the you know, steamroller can just keep going. And I think we really beat the brakes off, Andy. But if, if we're going to have a close game, if the offense comes out anemic again, and we can't do anything. And because I feel like the defense is, it, they're just holding on. They, they just feel like, here we go again. It's that kind of mentality that you're trying to force out of your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to take a while before the defense just has the mental toughness to just say, no matter what the offense is doing, you know, we're going to keep on just holding them to no points. You know, we're not at Alabama LSU 6-3 to three yet. So, we've got to get some offensive production.
1: Well, you do realize you opened the floodgates power T, by talking about complimentary football.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's... Oh, Did you man, just make I a know. funny? <laughs> <laughs> he got me. He got me. Bleed Orange got me. Too close, are oh, too
1: close to the path it's painful it's painful
4: yeah <laughs> there you go. oh man well here I thought I had all right. credibility
1: <laughs> no you're awesome you're
2: awesome man <laughs> no all good stuff anybody else anything else uh, I think this was a good way to kind of wrap up uh, the evening yeah, It's a good way to wrap it up Pete Vandy Pete Vandy yep I mean somehow we'll don't I don't think it's gonna be pretty, but we'll get there. So Dad, are you watching at my house again?
1: Uh no, you're coming down here for Thanksgiving. Oh shoot, that's right. I keep Oh shoot, you heard that first on VolQuest. You heard
2: it first here, guys. <laughs> you heard it first. Looking forward
1: to seeing you too, son.
2: No, I, again I, I wanna give um, again thank you so much to the the cast on here. You guys make this this thing run. So PTC Power T, Pounding Thrill, Powell vol shout out, man. I know you had some personal stuff, so we're praying for you, and we love you, man, and uh, shout out to you as well. And, and Duke and Hearts First Choice and, and some of the other guests that we've had on, shout out to everybody for joining. Bleed Orange as well, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, getting Jamal Lewis on. Uh, thank you for, for working that. Um, great evening, guys, even after a... A terrible loss but uh, we've got brighter days ahead and this podcast like I said podcast number eight um, we've got just our you know we got to put glasses on it's, it's so bright ahead of us uh, again we're now top four uh, and most downloaded in East Tennessee from podcasts uh, so we're really excited about that so everybody thank you guys for, for all the downloads so with that being said Everyone have a good evening. I'm going to go and get this thing uploaded to the site. And uh, go Vols.
1: Go balls. Go,
4: go, go Vols, baby.